We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Today is the debut of Disney Plus. That's the streaming package for Disney. So Star Wars comes to the streaming wars. But that's not why I want in. I want in because I admit it, I love Disney princess movies and not because I have two girls. I just love them. I loved them before I had kids. So I know your power rankings probably come out today or tomorrow in the NFL. I want your power rankings as related to Disney princesses. At least give me your top one unless you know your top three. Number one, I like Jasmine. I, I got to go with Jasmine. <laughs> I kind of I kind of like Jasmine. Um she's number 1 for me. Why? Number What's that? Why? Um I think I like the outfit. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I I think I like the outfit. There's something about it. plus I like how she dances and I just I like Jasmine. She's number 1 for me. Um, I'm thinking right now, probably Elsa number two. Elsa, solid. Yeah, I kind of like Elsa. Let um, it go. Yeah, I like. I like. You know what? She tries to keep it together. She's. She'd be a good. Like I, I picture myself in a Disney movie being the king or in charge, obviously. And I feel like Elsa would be a good. A, a good uh, leading lady, you know, a good first lady, yep. if you will. Mm. Um, like she it. handles handles herself very well. You asked yep. for my permission, and the answer is no. I, I like her. Um, number three. Ooh, this is a tough one. Um, there's a lot of different ways I could go here. Who is? Give me yours. Give me yours. Okay. Okay. I've thought about this all morning, as you Clearly. know, these are the type of things, <laughs> type of things I lose sleep about that and Monday night football. Uh, I'm going to go top three, but I'm going to give an honorable mention to bell because she's a voracious reader. I like that. She really likes to read. I like to read. I, I like to watch TV less and less other than sports every day. No, let me just tell you, let me just tell you, you're yeah. wrong. I hate bell. Okay. <laughs> number one, number one, Bell's a nerd. I don't need someone reading that much. We're trying to have a good time in life. I don't need to read me. Secondly, she turns down the greatest Disney character of all time. Yes. Gaston. Gaston. That's how can you not? That's how, can you, how, how can you not want to date Gaston? She'd rather date a beast than Gaston. Gaston is exactly what you're looking for in a man, okay? He is perfect, and Belle denies him for no reason. Gaston's my favorite Disney character. That guy you is are a stud. You I are love Gaston. Gaston. I love Gaston. You love Gaston. We should all love Gaston. So anyway, Belle's out. I don't like your honorable mention. Keep going. 
That that is I'm never gonna get you as Gaston out of my head. We're gonna need a mashup. We're gonna need a mashup, millennials. No one drinks like Gaston. No one shoots like Gaston. <laughs> oh man, that's that's glorious. Okay, uh, we're, we're <laughs> number three. Uh, look, mermaids are just cool. I mean, uh, mermaids are kind of hot and just cool. And I want to swim under the water. I want to live underwater and on the land. So Ariel, number three. Uh, number two, a surprise, perhaps Rapunzel. Tangled is an underrated Disney film. I'm a huge fan of Flynn Rider, who she ends up with, the thief turned good guy. And she looked hot with the long blonde hair and with the short brown hair. I'm a big fan of Rapunzel. Number one, damn it. Why do we have to agree again? It is, of course, Jasmine. And like you, I don't have a great reason for it. She's just, if I had to, it'd be Jasmine. I mean, if I, you know, if I were a cartoon character, if I were a Disney man, that's my leading woman, Jasmine. Yeah, so we agree on number one power ranking best princess in all Disney. Did you finish out your top three now that you uh, had some chance to think about it, Gaston? You know who I kind of like? I can't think of her name. Uh, oh, Pocahontas. Pocahontas would be number three for me. Wow. Yeah. That was a surprise, Gaston. Gaston. Yeah. That may stick for a while, man. Gaston. Dude, Gaston's my... awesome. I mean, I, yeah. he's the best Disney character by a lot. Uh, he's, he's everything you could ever want in a human being. He's perfect. Yeah. He's definitely um, <laughs> top three dudes in all Disney. Probably number one. I, too, love Gaston, but I never thought about the striking resemblance. Although you're a lot smarter than Gaston, but that beefy no one drinks like Gaston. No one shoots like Gaston. Yeah, yeah, I see it. Not a great story for LSU was what happened after this game. Yet another example of why you don't use Instagram Live in a locker room, whether that's Major League Baseball, the NFL, or college football. Mention all three of those because there was the St. Louis Cardinals who had Instagram Live in their clubhouse when their manager Mike Schilt went on an F-bomb-laden post-game speech and offended all the sensitive people out there that didn't want to hear it from a baseball skipper. He had to apologize. Then the Chicago Bears locker room, Kyle Long's schlong, was exposed on Instagram Live. There were apologies there and promises never to do it again. Then came the post-game LSU celebration in the locker room and listen to Ed Orgeron. Change the narrative. Yes, sir. We're going to beat their ass in recruiting. We're going to beat their ass every time they see us. Oh, you understand that? Yes, sir. Roll tight. What? Fuck you. Yeah! I love Ed Orgeron. Love the passion, the voice, the commitment, the enthusiasm, the way he kept pushing the foot down on the gas pedal, did not get conservative, wanted to win that game and win it big. You cannot help but love that guy unless you are from Alabama. But because of that Instagram live stream there, I'm taking Alabama by 40 when those two teams meet next year. There are already t-shirts, multiple t-shirts with that slogan on it. Roll Tide, what? Fuck you, Ed Orgeron. Not just that one. There is another t-shirt being sold. Those will be all over the Louisiana State campus and Alabama will be well aware of it. I would imagine some of those players will grab some of those T-shirts. They will remember it. Ross, that's a mistake that will come back to haunt them. Which of the three 
Instagram Live incidents was the worst to you. Obviously, I'm taking Roll Tide. What? Uh, no, I would go with putting a guy's member on <laughs> on uh, you know on the internet forever. That to me is probably the worst. Kyle Long's schlong uh, being out there. I, I I just I'm amazed. And evidently, you know, these college kids, they didn't pay attention to what happened with Antonio Brown when he did that uh, after the Chiefs playoff win a few years ago or even didn't see the Cardinals thing. It really bothers me. Uh, You know, these things, right, they have totally taken over our lives. And I get it. They're great, you know, information we're able to at, right at our fingertips so many cool apps and Uber and Waze. And, like, I totally get it. And I understand the importance of social media to young people and a following. And it's it's kind of a, a bonding thing. It's a camaraderie. Like, I totally get that. But goodness gracious, you know, there are some things that should be private and should be special and should be all about the people that are in that situation in the moment, right? Like your bedroom and what goes on in your bedroom with you and your significant other. That doesn't need to be on social media. That's a private, special thing between those people. In the locker room, after a game, before a game, halftime, whatever, That that's like a, a sanctuary. That's like a, a very unique area. I know that there's plenty of guys, Tom Brady among them, that they love being in the locker room because it's like the one place where they don't have to be guarded. They don't have to worry about somebody asking for their autograph or a picture. What, you know, they can just be them because there there aren't cameras, there aren't people watching. And then you have stuff like this. It bothers me. It it, it really does. I I'm I'm definitely bothered by it. I think it's really disappointing. And if I was the head of any of these teams and that happened, uh, the discipline would be significant. Um, It it will not be for Ed Orgeron. He said yesterday, I wish that never would have happened. It shouldn't have happened. I addressed it with the player who did it. No one's naming said player. Uh, He apologized. He felt bad for it. They will move on. It will come back to haunt them next year when these two teams play. That will fuel the Crimson Tide fire. They will talk about that all week long. Again, taking Alabama by 40 to beat LSU next year. A couple of college head coaching jobs are open. Florida State in particular. Arkansas, obviously, after Chad Morris was let go. And some feel Morris may have done the worst coaching job in the history of the Southeastern Conference. He was a dumpster fire from start to the very brief finish. Question is, would Mike Leach, one of the most interesting characters in the college football landscape, would he be considered for any of those vacancies? Or maybe USC, maybe Michigan State. There will be a number of jobs open next season. And if you're not familiar with Mike Leach, He is a legend. He is the guy that called his team dumb, fat, entitled, called his team frauds this past week. They're one in five, by the way, in uh, the Pac-12, and they've lost five of six. But the beauty, the other side of Mike Leach is the 
incredible offense that he calls, the game plan that he brings, completely unique, and the things he says to reporters like this when asked about, well, zombies. Listen this to This is me. a minority opinion, and I, and I, and I can uh, say that safely with the success of the shows and the movies. But I find zombies to be the most boring of the monsters. And, and what I don't like about <coughs> zombies is they're incredibly redundant. Um, you know, here's a zombie. All right, we, we chopped him. Okay, now get the other zombie. Okay, boom. And, you know, the, the ash or decayed flesh flies somewhere. And then, um, uh, uh, you know, and it's, 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 so after somebody's killed three zombies, I mean, it's all the same to me. It's like, and then you wait there for an hour and a half. I think, I honestly think, I don't think I'd have to store that much. I'd try to store all my favorite things and, you know, have a nice, uh, you know, locked-in space. Um, zombies seem to be able to climb, so I don't think height is a, a big a deal. Um. So there's Washington State coach Mike Leach on zombies. Here he is on other Pac-12 mascots. He have a horse or is he on foot? Does he have a bow? What kind of mythical powers does a sun devil have? We've got to consider that. I'm going to say the wildcat's out. Uh, the Trojan, is he, does he have a horse or is he on foot? Does he have a bow and arrow or just his sword? The Bruin, definitely formidable. Another bear up there at Cal. Uh, the tree, I imagine that tree's going to get chopped down. Or it's unless we're going to go with a bird and somebody might get pecked or something. I don't know. The duck might lose interest and just fly away and get out of there, which may be good advice under the circumstances. Uh... <laughs> Washington State coach Mike Leach is a beauty. He is a one of a kind. But the good, the bad, and the ugly brings us to this question, Ross. Would you want him representing your university if you're in the SEC and you are Arkansas if you're in the ACC and you are Florida State, having dominated the better part of 15 years, having won national championships, is that the kind of figure you want leading your program? You know, it's interesting, Dave, because I I would not want him leading my program. I, I, I especially, we didn't play the audio there, but I especially, I'm just, I don't like calling your players frauds. I, I'm not okay with that. Uh, you know, how about coaching better, Mike? You know, I, I just think, and I know, I think that that probably would play well in the South and that if you are at Arkansas or maybe even Florida State, you would like that because they like guys that call it like it is. Uh, they like guys that call people names like that. They like President Trump, um, <laughs> you know, in those places. <laughs> Uh, and that's a whole other topic, but I just certainly, if it were Princeton where I went or Penn state where I near where I live, I, I wouldn't want him to be the coach of either one of those places. Now I, to me, that that's not who I would want representing my university. And I don't mind like the, uh, the mascot fights. That's kind of funny. Or the zombie thing, I kind of agree with him on that. Those are kind of funny, but he still kind of comes across as like a clown. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a sideshow. Uh, but what really bothers me is when he calls out his players publicly, overweight, fat. Well, 
get him in shape. You're kind of the head coach. So that that bothers me, and I, I just wouldn't want him representing my university. I wouldn't rep- want him representing my team, but I think he could do a good job, and I think they would like him in places like Arkansas and Florida State. Therein lies the rub. So for me, the answer is no. For those schools, probably. Here's the question, Armando. What Are there pros of them winning the last two games? Like, how do the fans down there feel? And how does the organization feel? Like, are, are there pros of them winning two in a row? Yeah, Ross, uh, there is no substitute for winning, right? Winning is never bad as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that's because I'm, I'm dealing every day with such winners as yourselves. Um, so that's, that's a great thing. I would say to you, when he was handed this roster that, again, was built to lose, Brian Flores turning it around and turning it into a competitive roster, turning it into a roster that not only has competed the last five games, but has won the last two, that tells you that the Dolphins' rookie head coach is a pretty good get as far as we can see. I mean, obviously, we don't know what it's going to be when he's got actual stars on the roster. We don't know what it's going to be when there's an actual quarterback on the roster and how they're going to bring up that young guy. But as far as what he's done this year with these guys, it's pretty good work, and it suggests that the Dolphins have hired the right guy, found the right guy, and that is valuable. That you can't Look, you can't win a Super Bowl without typically a great quarterback, which is what the Dolphins have been searching for. Guess what? You also can't win the Super Bowl without a great coach or a pretty darn great good coach. Uh, so the Dolphins at least believe that they have found one of those this year in the coach. All right, so what are they going to do, Armando, a quarterback? Are they going to get somebody worse for next year so they can tank next year and get Trevor Lawrence in 2021? I mean, like, what's what are they going to do now? They're not going to get the first quarterback. They probably won't even get the second quarterback. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to keep trying to win. Uh, it's, it's weird. It's weird that we're talking about them failing at potentially failing at tanking, uh, which is so bizarre. It's one of those 2019 Miami Dolphin things that, uh, I, I never expected that anyone would be dealing with much less me. Yeah, you, you can't help but wonder if, in fact, they wind up with the third pick. Let's just say Washington wants a quarterback. If they don't decide Dwayne Haskins is the guy, could they wind up with the third choice, which is probably Justin Herbert and not a bad option, but certainly not what you built or deconstructed this roster for. Last question to Armando Sargero, MiamiHeraldRadio.com. We always see the 72 Dolphins trending every time an undefeated team loses. And we forever have seen the image of that team popping corks when somebody falls from the ranks of the undefeated. Is that still a thing? No, it's not a thing in South Florida. 
<laughs> Nobody celebrates, you know, the other teams losing and going, you know, not undefeated. No, not at all. <laughs> Very subtle. Now, it, it not everyone. Happen. It's a myth. It doesn't happen, guys. Okay. It doesn't happen. Now, for everyone listening on the Radio.com app, perhaps on demand, not watching, you don't see Armando taking a sip, a celebratory sip, to mark another undefeated team falling from the ranks. So, yes, there is your answer. It is still very much a thing. Uh, Before we go, do you have any idea what in the hell happened with Dion Waiters and the Miami Heat? Can you you recap that situation briefly, or is that... uh, Is that beyond your coverage scope? No, no, no. So basically, um, you know, he gets on a flight and there's a medical emergency on this flight. And uh, the medical emergency is, according to sources, Dion Waiters was uh, unconscious and convulsing and nobody knows why. And a couple of days later, we find out that Deion Waiters is suspended by the team for 10 days. And, you know, there's, there's rumors as to the reason that that happened. Because, um, let's put it this way, something was ingested uh, that caused that convulsion. And I don't know what it is. But... Let's just say it wasn't bad fish because (laughs) NBA teams don't suspend guys for having a medical emergency on their flight, okay? NBA teams suspend guys for conduct detrimental and ingesting stuff that maybe they shouldn't. That's all I got to say about that. Dot, I thought you would confirm the gummy rumor that is out there that it was, in fact, an edible, but no confirmation on that, but that is certainly the rumor league-wide. Armando Salguero, we missed the tanking helmet, man. Maybe they can find a way back atop the number one pick slot, but it looks like Cincinnati's more focused than the Dolphins. Can we just bring the tanking helmet back next time? I miss it. Uh, you know, I would, ha- I would happily do that, if the Dolphins would do their job and go on a losing skid, I'll happily do that. But it's hard to do that in a two. You know, it's back there. In look, oh wait, Where I see it? it right there, atop there that shelf. There it is, man. <laughs> it's the, my the, tanking helmet, right there. How about that? The Dolphins. I'll wear it the, next time, assuming the Dolphins continue their their job, <laughs> you know, accomplishments and lose more. Ryan Fitzpatrick retired that tanking helmet. Armando, good to see you, my friend. Thanks for the time. All right, man. Is Russell Wilson in the driver's seat for the MVP? And at 35 million bucks a year, is he actually a good value? Is he a bargain? That's what SpotTrack says. Fantastic website and Twitter feed founded by Michael Gennetti. Michael, great to have you on the program today. It's Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. Love the website and the Twitter feed as well. Give us a little background to how you came into this and for the folks that don't know it, why they should. Yeah, this has uh, been a 12-year run, actually. It's been 
been, it was a labor of love to start something I was just interested in. And, you know, the numbers were kind of out there, but, uh, you know, not in a great really presented way. So uh, I was building websites kind of pro bono for uh, some small businesses. This thing kind of came together as a, as a side project. And 12 years later, it's, you know, a 55 hour week job for me. So it, uh, it's been a labor of love. We're doing all the different sports. It's not just the NFL, you know, baseball, football, hockey, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, it's been, you know, evolving. We're, you know, we're not just showing the numbers, we're analyzing them now. We're projecting player values. So, you know, to get back to your Russell Wilson point a little bit, yeah, there's, you know, we're, we're in an era right now where rookies are sort of dominating the headlines, but guys like Russell Wilson, you know, you see the, the $35 million price tag and you think, well, you know, he's overpaid. It's not even close. He's, he's the, he's the best value veteran player in the NFL right now. And it's not even close by, by our percentages, it's about 15 percentage points better value than any, any veteran in the league right now. And what is that based on Michael? So we run a bunch of mathematical equations that I'm not super privy to. I've got a a partner who does that. His name is Scott Allen and uh, you know, former math teacher converted sports analyst, of course. So um, we do a lot of calculations that build, build in stats uh, production, some some advanced metrics, you, you know, age, all those kind of things come into play. Nothing crazy advanced, but it's essentially a calculation that we base price versus production. And even at $35 million, he's out, outplaying his uh, his price tag right now. So, Michael, I'm curious. I, I, I'm all over the site all the time. Very, very helpful. I really like it. Uh, you mentioned 55-hour a job now. <laughs> Can you just take us through kind of the uh, the business model and how big you guys are and how you guys make money and all that stuff? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, you start a site like this and you throw some ads up there and you hope you make a couple of bucks and can pay off a cup of coffee every morning. Um, and, and really, you know, once traffic starts to drive, that becomes a, an avenue, an ad revenue, of course. So we're, we're living off of ad spaces still, and we're doing some uh, some pet projects with some some partnerships we have, th- you know, sites like The Athletic and things like that to sort of fill that business side of it. And then we have a premium service where we sort of analyze these numbers to a, an nth degree, and we do some more projection work, and we have, you know, some previous uh, salaries. So we're, we go back to about 2012, 2013 with a lot of these sports. So we sort of uh, archive those in our premium subscriptions, which is $30 a year. And, you know, that's really it. I mean, we've got some, you know, some API, you know, situations where we're pumping some data out to some websites to help them out a little bit. And that's a bit of a revenue for us as well. But really, it's just sort of get up and uh, pump the numbers into the site and the traffic kind of pays for itself. So back to the Russell Wilson question now, and certainly to me, the MVP, if it were decided today, but Lamar Jackson at the very least, um, second, if not 1B, is he the greatest value in the game today? And have you ever seen anything like it? An MVP caliber quarterback with a $900,000 salary, a $2 million cap hit. I'd say right now it's, head over heels, Lamar Jackson is the best value rookie. But you actually have to go back, I think, to Russell Wilson, who came out of the gates, you know, won that starting job right away. I think I think Russell Wilson might be the best value player right now and maybe the best value rookie in the history of the NFL. So it's I think it's all Russell right now. Wow, that's crazy. Um, let's talk teams a little bit, Michael. Uh, in your studies... What team do you feel like does the best job 
of managing the cap in terms of roster space, cap space moving forward? That's a great question because it's really evolved. I mean, we've seen, you know, when the, when the new CBA came out in 2011, there was a learning period for so many teams. There were so many teams who I feel were behind the, the eight ball a little bit um, and got themselves in restructure trouble and really cap hell. Um, everybody's gotten better at it for sure. I'd say, I, I mean, you, you've got to have a conversation about the Patriots whenever you talk about this because they're just they've they've been rewarded with the ability to do things other teams can't do in terms of team building right because of their success because of the dynasty they've put together because of the the clout they've earned they can make trades at the end of august that other teams can't make and when you can do that you have the ability to make your cap fluid all the time it's a it's an all-year-round situation whereas other teams you know when they lock in their final 53 there's not much wiggle room essentially right we're seeing that get better as trades progress as the trade deadline gets more active and we see more and more trades that is really the best way to manipulate your cap right you, going out and signing free agents is is a negative to your cap of course because you're always, almost always going to overpay in that regard so i think as teams get smarter with trades which we've seen everybody's sort of raising their own bar but obviously the patriots are are one if not one in one a um, I really like what Philadelphia does. Philadelphia and Detroit in the past couple of years, A, they've been active both in free agency and in the trades, but they're both using what's called dummy years. And, and a lot a lot of people might not like this, but it, for, for what they're doing in these short little windows that they're trying to win, which you can understand both of them doing so right now with their different situations, essentially what they're doing is they're keeping every single cap hit minimal right now there, nobody's really bloated outside of stafford which you know the quarterback is always going to be king but i really like what those two teams have done in the past three four years to kind of keep things active keep things moving you just saw detroit make a big trade to seattle and it was questionable because they were still i mean they're still a playoff hunt team um, that's an example right there of a team understanding the business side of it even in the middle of this playoff hunt so i'd identify those three teams and and there's more to come i mean san francisco uh, you know is a team to talk about in a lot of breaths right now They've done things a little differently, and it's how they've always done it, right? San Francisco front loads their contracts. They essentially bring in free agents and say, we're putting you on a maximum one-year deal wrapped up in a bow that looks like a five-year deal. And, and when you're not winning, it looks terrible. It's a bad look because, you know, guys get paid a ton of money, and then they're gone in 18 months. But right now, with this team being the way it is, you've got Jimmy Garoppolo and Tevin Coleman and these, and these other, you know, notable veterans on contracts that have already been essentially paid for 60 percent of the contracts been paid for because they fronted loaded it all to the first year so i you know that works when, when it works it really works and right now they're in, they're in a spot when it really works it can also be a very negative thing too so i'd put them in this conversation as well that'll allow the niners to move on from jimmy g and sign tom brady next season but we won't exactly. waste speculation on that talking to michael Janetti from spot track Great website and Twitter feed as well. Those are the best teams at managing the cap. Who is the worst at it? And what team right now is in the worst shape going into next season? Yeah, it's a good question because some of the some of the good teams are in tough shape next year. And it's because they're sort of going, going all in right now, like Minnesota, right? I mean, Minnesota signed everybody. I mean, they didn't let anybody walk. They got it all done. Even Anthony Barr, who tried to sign somewhere else, they eventually ripped him back and gave him a contract. So you know, a team like that is a good team who's just because of it has financial struggles. Um, Pittsburgh is a similar situation. That, the reason Pittsburgh isn't taking right now, by the way, and is trading for a player like Micah Fitzpatrick is because they just don't have the cap flexibility to tank. I mean, it, it would take 
a ton of work for them to break it all down, including Ben Roethlisberger, and start this thing over like teams like the Dolphins are doing. Um, so that's another team I identify as they they went all in 18 months ago. There's no way for them to get out of that right now. Same thing with Jacksonville. I mean, they got stuck with the Bortles contract and that extension that they should never have done, and they're still filling the cap from that. But that defense costs a ton of money. So Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, Minnesota, solid teams in cap trouble for 2020. Then you've got the Atlanta Falcons, who are not a solid team, have really you know flown to the bottom of all the standings the last two years, and they have they're projecting to negative cap space right now in 2020. So you are going to see one heck of an upheaval this offseason once the uh, final regular season bell rings. I think you're going to see five, six Falcons players get just thrown thrown to the side because they've got to start from somewhere and they need cap space to do it. So that's that's a team I look at to say they're in trouble financially and on the field. So I'm curious, Michael, we talked about the Dolphins earlier in the show about how we know what they're trying to do, but now they've won a couple games. One of the things they've also done, whether it's Ryan Tannehill, uh, where they paid some of the salary before they shipped him off to Tennessee and got a draft pick in return, or even more recently, Aqib Tlaib, where they took on his salary more so than even the player to get a draft choice. What are your thoughts on those moves by a team like the Dolphins? It's super savvy, and to, to the point of where... I'm starting to see if we can if we can see that happening in other sports because I think it is a possibility, especially in basketball, where nobody has cap space. So I think this is a this is a situation where not only are you tanking, not only are you trying to make yourself, uh, you know, get yourself to the bottom of the standings and clear as much cap space as possible, but buying draft picks, that's always been the way to team build, right? I mean, that's always been the way teams want to go go about getting themselves back in their you know back up to the top. Buying a draft pick. To me, you can't go high enough. I think what Cleveland did with Brock Osweiler is one of the reasons that they're a halfway decent team today. It's, it's you know, it was a $16 million purchase for Nick Chubb, essentially, right? I think a lot of people would take that right now to get themselves back in offensive gear. So I, I, I'm, I'm all for it. I think if you're going to tank, do it spectacularly, right? Do, do everything. Trade all the, all the right players. Get all the draft assets you can get. If you want to keep a left tackle, you know, you know, and build around that, I'm, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think maybe that that might be a, a point of contention for Miami with getting rid of Tunsil, maybe in a situation where they're going to need a, a strong left tackle for a new quarterback coming in. Uh, so maybe they went a little too far in that breath. But I'm all for, you know, acquiring draft picks, however you can do it at this point. Yeah, I, I guess the the flip side to me as a former player, Michael, I would just say, you know, even like the fifth round pick. Yeah. that the Dolphins got for whatever, $4.2 million or whatever it is to pay Tlaib. I don't know, man. A lot of times fifth-round picks don't do shit. And $4.2 million, you could sign two guys for $2 million each that could definitely get on the field and help your team. Maybe if it's just a swing tackle or uh, a, a backup defensive back, special teams guy. I guess I'm curious, do you guys have – uh, what you believe is like the value for each pick or what would be a fair value for each pick doing what the Dolphins doing? Because it seems like I get it, but yeah. you could also use that money to sign actual proven players, especially when you get down to like a fifth round pick. So many of those guys never do anything. Nothing. It's a fair point. Um, and I've made a point recently about how, you know, even these comp compensatory draft picks that are being thrown out right now, 
you know, teams are loading up on them and their third, fourth, fifth round picks, which is fine. But the problem is you're seeing the great teams abusing this, right? You're seeing teams like the Patriots and the Saints and the Eagles acquiring these picks. And here's my pushback to your point. A fifth round pick on its own is nothing. You know, I agree with you. It's nothing. It's going to work one out of 20 times. But three fifth round picks can now become a fourth or maybe even a third. And that's what these great teams have been doing. That's why they want compensatory draft picks. That's why they make these August trades. That's why they make these deadline trades that seem, you know, meaningless, that seem so small and insignificant. But when you have enough capital, even in the back of the draft, you can get yourself up to the top 150 of of the draft where impactful players are taken. And that's where running backs are coming. That's where second wide receivers are coming now. So, you know, a lot of things have shifted in the way teams are drafting. You know, we're seeing we're going to see five quarterbacks go in the first round next year. It's possible. Right. I mean, so where are the other guys going to fall? Right. Where is this this crazy class of defensive ends and and wide receivers going to fall? It's going to be late second, you know, high thirds. Um, If you've got three fifth round picks, you're going to be in contention to get yourself up there. So while I I agree, four million dollars can be used elsewhere. Number one, Miami's going to have, you know, 100 million to use. Um, So four million really doesn't matter too much to them and four million split two ways is essentially two veterans on minimum salaries i don't think miami's really in a place right now to sign veteran minimum players nor would they have you know an attraction for players that come there so i think i think they're in a in a window where four million dollars doesn't mean what does mean to a team like the saints or the eagles right now talking to michael Gennetti of spot track check out his podcast on apple itunes and spotify as well michael I want to ask you about the rams situation given jalen ramsey wants a top dollar corner contract todd Gurley got one and certainly is not delivering on it and jared goff got a four-year 134 million dollar deal certainly not playing like that kind of quarterback either what do you make of their situation right now given just months removed from a super bowl crazy right how fast this has fallen i mean it's crazy it, everything seemed to be, to be looking fine. And, and I went in my show and I've talk, I hammered away. I don't know if this team signs Jared Goff. I really didn't. I, I, was, I was convinced that this was going to be the first team to have success with a rookie quarterback and say, it's not worth it for us to pay you the big contract. We're going to do this. We're going to start from square one with a quarterback. We're going to bring another guy in. We're, we're going to keep this train rolling with, with him. I, I was positive that was going to happen. So when they kind of flippantly signed Jared Goff out of nowhere, I mean, really there was no... No rumor of negotiations even happening. Uh, it threw me off because they were on the heels of a Todd Gurley contract that was already, you know, situation. So it was almost reactionary that they signed Jared Goff because Todd Gurley's situation wasn't working out. So it was like throwing money on top of more money at that point, uh, which didn't make sense. The Brandon Cooks deal, I understand it. You had to pay him to keep him for another year. It's, it was essentially a two-year deal. Uh, so they're going to get out of that after this year, I believe, and, and take a decent dead cap hit. But uh, they're in trouble. You know, I, I'm making a long answer to say they're in trouble. They, uh, they've got about 25 million to work with right now next year. Uh, they're going to have to make some serious cuts. And the, you know, the defense is is okay right now. But can they fit a top cornerback contract into this right now? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. So are you going to make Jalen Ramsey wait another year? Is he going to be the, the kind of guy that's going to be okay doing that? Uh, I would I would lean towards no. So. They're in a very tough situation with a lot of their, you know, their five massive contracts not named Aaron Donald right now. Uh, I don't know how you fix this because they're not going to have the flexibility to go out and replace players with other players of of worth. Um, really tough spot. Unbelievable fall for the last 18 months for them. 
Yeah, the real-life drama surrounding the Rams, even better than that on Ballers on HBO. It looks like a rough situation for the Rams. Final question, Michael, has to do with the NBA. And Tony Parker, the legend, retired. Uh, Spurs retired his jersey last night. And it couldn't help but just think for me, like, that team with the big three, Ginobili, Parker, and Duncan, drafted by the organization, stayed with the organization, won several titles with the organization. Will we ever see a team build that way, contend that way for for a decade or more and have that type of legacy, dynasty, or will it all be the way we see now with super teams coming together via free agency? It's a great question. Um, I thought we were going somewhere with Golden State here. I really thought, you know, that the Durant stuff was kind of fluff and he was going to stick around because there's just not a better spot in basketball right now. He didn't. So we're back to square one with, you know, super teams kind of pocketing together every three years. I I don't see a way out of it. I mean, when you've got guys, you know, running up to owners in the middle of the offseason and saying, get me out of here, and it happens in an hour, uh, when that kind of power exists to the player, I, I don't know that that there's any need or any care for from a player standpoint to do what the Spurs have did for so long. Uh, it'd be good. It'd be good for from a fan standpoint, I think. I think fans would prefer some consistency and some reliability. But, you know, selfishly on my end, you know, the the NBA offseason was absolutely bonkers. It, it actually outdid any NFL, NFL offseason we've ever had on Track. So the player movement is exciting you know, but will it get old? That's where I'm going with it. Will, will it get old? I mean, yeah. are you sick of seeing Kevin Durant bounce around every three years? Or is it, is it exciting to see guys like that move so much? Um, I wonder. I wonder if it's cyclical and this thing all comes back around at some point. But as of right now, uh, the players own the league. And if, if that's the case, they're going to go where they please. Yeah, it felt to me like the true end of, of that type of dynasty we'll never see again. Michael Gennetti, we really appreciate the conversation. We could talk to you all afternoon. Love to have you back. Check out Spot Track, their podcast as well on iTunes, on Spotify, the website, and the Twitter feed. Good to have you, Michael. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Okay, so Ross, do you feel that way, that we'll never see a dynasty the way the Spurs were built? Drafting guys, stayed with the organization, won titles with the organization. I'm not going to count, sorry Warriors fans, what they did there because they got Kevin Durant via free agency. He was the NBA Finals MVP for two of their three titles. So to do what San Antonio did, it would have to be Draymond, Clay, Curry, and some pieces they could fill in around it. But those aren't the guys that necessarily won the title. It was the free agent acquisition. Feels like that day is just gone forever. Well, I don't think it'll ever go down the way you, the, the Spurs did it. I don't think that's going to happen with all guys being drafted by that team. Like uh, Tim Duncan, Parker, Ginobili, and Kawhi Leonard, which is a whole other story. And I've talked to you about this before. I'm fascinated that the best player in the NBA was at one point the fourth best player on the Spurs. I mean, it's the testament to him, testament to that team and their development for sure. But I, I disagree with you on the Warriors. They won the NBA title and got back again with, I think, all guys that were drafted by them, basically. At least all the key guys in Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. I mean, that's the heart and soul and the core of the team. And yes, Kevin Durant came. I'm not sure they needed him. 
to win both those titles. I think they probably win one of those without him. I don't think they win them both without him. So then I think you have to ask yourself, is two titles, let's say Durant never went there, is that a, a dynasty? I'd say, yeah. I mean, two titles and going to another one and losing, I would give the Warriors credit for that. So I, I disagree with you on the Warriors. I think it's a team like my team right now, the Sixers. You know, they drafted Embiid. They drafted Ben Simmons. Just a little different, obviously, because now they have Horford and 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 they got Tobias Harris. They're not really homegrown. I do think those days are over, but I still think drafting and drafting good players is still mm. a good recipe in the NBA because otherwise it's hard to just acquire these mega teams. The Knicks have been trying to do that forever and they can't get anybody to come. And we'll see how good the Brooklyn Nets end up being. But, like, if the Sixers win the NBA title this year, uh, I doubt it, but that <laughs> okay, would be amazing. Um, I, I'll give them some of that credit. Like, I'll, I'll give them a, a, a draft and develop team because they're not – like, their two best players are draft and develop guys. And then they brought in Harris and Horford. It's not like it was just some made-out-of-nowhere Brooklyn Nets – you know, uh, super team. So that's a little bit different to me. Well, the biggest difference is that team will not win a title. I mean, I, we do, we joke about it, but I look as presently constituted, that team doesn't win a title. Ben Simmons does not get it done for that organization to win a title. And, and to the point about the golden state warriors, they absolutely needed Kevin Durant. He was the finals MVP in those two titles, he was the NBA Finals MVP. He was the best player on the court. So they absolutely needed KD think, to I, win those titles. And I titles. think that they win. And I think that they win one of those two finals without him. So and the Steph Spurs, would have been the MVP. Or Klay Thompson would have been. Maybe. The Spurs, on the other hand, Kawhi was only there for the fifth title, I believe, right? And they won four titles with that core group. We will never see it again. Now, caveat, now that Durant is gone, why I felt that ultimately in the long run, the Golden State Warriors could be better off because of the Clay and Curry injuries because what happens is, look, oh, I know we heard oh, so much bitching out of Golden State and how panicked the fans were and, oh, new multi-billion dollar arena. So damn what? You got to have one bad season? One bad season in the NBA? How many teams would kill to have one bad season and then reload and be an NBA title contender the next season? So they have the core intact. Clay and Curry come back. Draymond is still there. And then they get a top, let's just call it top 10 or 15 pick. They could be loaded for another long finals run two or three years and could add a couple of titles and perhaps change that narrative and join the ranks of the San Antonio Spurs. There are a couple Western Conference teams that have an outside shot. I mean, the Denver Nuggets, um, largely a drafted team, they really can't compete in free agency. When you're the Nuggets, no one wants to go there. Utah's a very good team as well that is drafted and, and just stuck with their core group. Again, two teams that really can't compete with the Coasts on the free agency discussion. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.